proudly presented to you by Wiggs Middle School and Miss Callejos' third period class. Hope you like this. Hello everybody, how are you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing awesome and staying safe, of course, you know, wearing those face masks, that hand sanitizer, all that great stuff that helps you survive. <laughs> Anyways, in today's video, I will be reading some Black History Month poems and I will be telling you guys um, what I think they meant, you know, giving you guys um, my point of view of those poems. And when you guys listen to them, I want you guys to think what they meant to you and maybe write it down and just, you know, think about it. Anyways, here is the first poem. Hope you enjoy. A Journey by Nikki Giovanni. It's a journey I propose. I am not the guide, nor technical assistant. I will be your fellow passenger. Though the rail has been ridden, winter clouds cover, autumn's exuberant quilt. We must provide our own guidepost. I have heard from previous visitors, the road washes out sometimes, and passengers are compelled to continue groping or turn back. But I am not afraid. I am not afraid of rough spots or lonely times. I don't fear the success of this endeavor. I am raw in a space, not to be discovered, but invented. I promise you nothing, and I accept this promise. Of the same, we are simply riding a wide, a wave that may carry or may crash. Either way, it's a journey, and it's a journey I will go on. What a truly amazing poem, The Journey. This poem was kindly read to us by Mr. Ethan Orr. In my opinion, the journey she talked about is life. The author, you know, she talks about how she looks at her life and even calls herself a fellow passenger in this journey. Since, you know, it is a journey we all take part in. She says that nothing can stop her in this journey. However, this poem, in my opinion, is trying to show how we must be, you know, we must remain persistent with our voices and always pursue what we want regardless of what others may say, what society may say, what people are trying to say to you, you know. Regardless of whatever mean things people tell you, you just have to know, you know, how you must remain persistent with your voice. You know, pursue what you want. Don't let others bring you down. Is what I think this poem is trying to explain to us. So... Let's move on to poem number two. Margaret Walker was born on July 7, 1915 in Birmingham, Alabama and died November 30, 1998 in Chicago, Illinois. She was known as a poet and novelist as the best woman writers of the mid-20th century and received the Langsing Hughes Medal. Most of her poems include her personal heroes such as Harriet Tubman, Glendon Brooks, and more. Her poem, For My People, just the history of slavery to African Americans and the racism that they had to endure and still endure to this day. It shows the emotion of hope and for a better future despite all the odds. The poem goes to the story of black people in society doing manual labor, her childhood in Alabama being convinced that the blacks are poor and different, and how she and everyone struggle staying happy through everything. In the end, she spreads the message that for a new earth to rise up, and for a new generation of people to heal the wounds of the past. This is for my people. 
For my people, everywhere, singing their slave songs, repeatedly, their dirges and their ditties and their blues and jubilies, praying their prayers nightly to an unknown God, bending their knees humbly to an unseen power. For my people, lending their strength to the years, to the gone years, and the now years, and the maybe years, washing, ironing, cooking, scrubbing, sewing, mending, hoeing, plowing, digging, planting, pruning, patching, dragging, along never gaining, never reaping, never knowing, and never understanding. For my playmates in the clay and dust and sand of Alabama, backyards playing, baptizing and preaching, and doctor in jail, and soldier in school, and mama in cooking, and playhouse in concert, and store and hair, and Miss Chumby in company. For the cramped, bewildered years, we went to school to learn to know the reasons why, and the answers to, and the people who, and the places where, and the days when, in memory of the bitter hours when we discovered that we were black, and poor, and small, and different, and nobody cared, and nobody wondered, and nobody understood. For the boys and girls who grew in spite of these things, to be man and woman, to laugh and dance and sing and play and drink their wine and religion and success, to marry their playmates and beer children and then die of consumption and anemia and lynching. For my people, throning 47th Street in Chicago and Lenox Avenue in New York and Rampart Street in New Orleans, lost, inherited, disposed, and happy people filling the cabins and turbans and other people's pockets and needing bread and shoes and milk and land and money and something, something all our own. For my people, walking blindly, spreading joy, losing time, being lazy, sleeping when hungry, shouting when burdened, drinking when hopeless, tied and shackled and tangled among ourselves by the unseen creatures who tower over us immensely and laugh. For my people, blundering and grouping and floundering in the darks of churches and schools and clubs and societies, associations and councils and committees and conventions, distressed and disturbed and deceived and devoured by money-hungry, glorying, craving leeches, preyed on by facile force of faith and fad and novelty, by a facile prophet and holy believer. For my people, standing, staring, trying to fashion a better way from confusion, from hypocrisy and misunderstanding, trying to fashion a world that will hold all the people, all the faces, all the atoms, and ease, and their countless generations. Let a new earth rise. Let another world be born. Let a bloody peace be written in the sky. Let a second generation full of courage issue forth. Let a people loving freedom come to growth. Let a beauty full of healing and strength, of final clenching, be the pulsing in our spirits and our blood. Let the martial songs be written and let the dirt disappear. Let a race of men now rise and take control. This amazing poem was read to us by your lovely Fatima Castillo. Truly has to be one of my favorite poems, written by Margaret Walker. In this poem, she addresses, you know, the tragic history of, you know, African-American slavery, the horrifying racism still, you know, endured by the people of color and sadly taught to their children. The hopes this group manages to keep alive despite the odds stacked against them and... It also shows a hope for a better future. Um, so, following that, I think, basically, what this poem tried to show to me and the message it gave off to me was hope. If I could describe it in one word, it would be hope. Hope for colored people and hope for, you know, the world. So let's move on to our third poem.
George Moses Horton was born a slave on William Horton's tobacco plantation. Around 1815, he, be he taught himself how to read, and he began composing poems in his head, saying them out loud to a large crowd of buyers at the Chapel Hill Farmer's Market. As his fame spread, he gained the attention of Caroline Lee Whiting Hence, a novelist and professor's wife who transcribed his poetry and helped publish it in her newspaper. With her assistance, Horton published his first collection of poetry, The Hope of Liberty, in 1829. He became the first African-American man to publish a book in the South and one of the first to publicly protest his slavery in poetry. Horton hoped to earn enough money to buy his freedom, but his attempts were denied despite support from the governor and several members from the public. He learned to write in 1832 and became a full-time poet, handyman, and servant at the University of North Carolina. He continued to buy his own time for more than 30 years while publishing a second collection of poetry, The Poetical Works, in 1845. After 68 years as a slave, he settled in Philadelphia for at least 17 years of freedom before his death in 1883. He was known as the first black professional poet and one of the first professional writers from any race of the South. Although George Horton was a black slave in the South, his purpose of writing the poem Weep was to express empathy, grief, and pity for the depressing state the Civil War left the country in. In his poem, he describes the Confederate leaders as dragons from the Bible reference Revelation 12, where the story is describing a dragon as Satan. He also expressed his grief in many different levels. At first, he mentioned the pity he had for all the wives who were left widowed due to all the men lost in the Civil War. Second, he felt sad for all the money used for the war, and now the banks meant nothing because there was no money. And finally, he mentions the sorrow state of the country left by the footprints of the war. Weep by George Moses Horton Weep for the country in its present state and of the gloom which still the future waits. The proud confederate eagle heard the sound, and with her flight felt postured to the ground. Weep for the loss the country has sustained, by which her now dependent is in jail. The grief of him who now the war survived, the conscript husbands, and the weeping wives. Weep for the seas of blood the battle cost, and the souls that ever hope forever lost. The ravage of the field with no recruit, trees by the vengeance blasted to the root. Weep for the downfall over your heads and chief, who sunk without a medium of relief, who fell beneath the hatchet of their pride, then like the serpent bit themselves and died. Weep for the downfall of your president, who far too late his folly must repent, who like the dragon did all heaven assail, and dragged his friends to limbo with his tail. Weep over peculiar swelling coffers void, our treasures left and all their banks destroyed, their foulest notes replete with shame to all, expecting every day their final fall. In quest of profit, never to be won, then sadly fallen and forever down. In this amazing poem read to us by our amazing Galilea, um, it's called, you know, it's called Weep. So what I think this poem tried to say to us, said to me, you know, you know, even the title says it all. It's supposed to be, you know, sad. Um, and it's basically George Moses Horton talking bad about 
you know. Well, he's, you know, expressing his sadness and weep for the country in its present state, for the gloom which, you know, the future awaits. Um, so this poem is supposed to be sad. And this is what the poem's message is to me. Sadly, guys, we have come to an end of this amazing Black History Month poem reading segment. I hope you guys learned something from these poems and maybe, you know, tell your family or just share what you knew about these poems. And I hope you guys stay safe, you know, have an amazing life and see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>